We were hoping that uh, Chief Koval could join us and hopefully he'll be able to join us before we wrap up. Uh, there's been a lot of discussion in the last week on the subject of immigration and what may happen with a uh, with a new president in, in the White House. So let me let me say a few things. Uh, first, we will continue to be a member of our coalition, a coalition of cities uh, around the United States that are firmly committed to protecting the rights of all people regardless of their status here in the United States. Uh, secondly, as uh, we're seeing from coast to coast, cities are making it very clear that we will continue with our present policies in regards to human rights and the protection of the rights of all individuals within our communities. The City of Madison reestablished this uh, Monday night at our uh, council meeting with a special resolution on uh, human rights and our commitment to deal with the issues that challenges that we have both uh, domestic and international. The City of Madison uh, is going to continue its present policies, and that's the key uh, message here. We are not going to be wavering in regards to our policies and procedures in regards to the respect, uh, the dignity of all people within the community. The Madison Police Department, as has been articulated by Chief Koval, um, has a uh, enforcement of immigration laws policy. The chief can address that. Questions have come up, some very challenging questions, and I've asked the city attorney uh, to research these matters should federal policy change in the coming year. Now, there is one challenge that, that we cannot uh, overtake, and that is uh, instances where ICE acts on its own in regards to physically taking people into custody. But uh, when it comes to law enforcement and the protection of people residing within the city of Madison, we are going to respond in a lawful and dignified manner. And that means that we encourage all people who feel they need the protection of the city to avail themselves of all of our resources, whether it's public safety, whether it's housing, whether it's employment. Uh, and I think I can safely say that the city council is in complete agreement with this policy since they repeatedly adopt resolutions uh, reaffirming these matters. So at this time, what I'd like to do is uh, first have the city attorney uh, describe what he will be researching 
uh, in the coming week, and then have Chief Koval explain the policies of the Madison Police Department, uh, particularly issues of what happens if someone within the boundaries of the city is engaged by a Madison police officer. So, Mike. Good morning. Um, the issue that we'll be facing is if there is a federal policy relating to so-called sanctuary cities. Much depends on how that is defined by any federal action and what the remedies are that they put out there in the event uh, uh, where uh, there is a rule about sanctuary cities. This has been addressed in the past. It came up in the state legislature. Uh, we did not qualify for whatever their definition was. It actually did not pass in the state legislature. Um, we're going to do everything we can to stay outside of any remedies that might be imposed by the federal government and maintain our current policies with respect to uh, treating people within the city. Um, I'll be looking at some of that, but a lot of it will depend on what action actually comes out of the federal government within the, the next few months because it will depend on how they define things and, and what uh, potential remedies they have. Uh, for example, I think there's been some talk by the administration about cutting off some sorts of funding for certain cities. We'll have to look closely at that and see what, uh, what we can do to uh, make sure we aren't injured by that. So those are the main things I'm going to be looking at. Um, I, would, I would like to emphasize even <coughs> more than the mayor did other things that have come out of the election. I think we're seeing an uptick in a number of people um, who are being attacked uh, verbally and otherwise, not so much here in the city, but we've seen it around the country. And I think we've got to be vigilant for all sorts of folks, um, um, people of color. We've got it, uh, certain religions are being attacked. And I think that uh, everyone has to be vigilant to watch out for people's individual civil rights. I think at this point, Chief, if you wanted to address your existing immigration policy. Sure. Thank you. Again, uh, we have policies, which is our code of conduct. Those are sort of the infamous, not time-sensitive, pervasive things that are rising to the level of not being oh-so-tray-chic or hip-and-trendy. Untruthfulness is never vogue. We have elevated our whole position and have for years now to put in our code of conduct our very strong language about enforcement of immigration issues. We are not a federal immigration authority. Their mission is not our mission. Our mission is fourfold. We're all about providing qualitative services. And here's, here's the real nexus. Qualitative services that are accessible to everyone. And in the course of providing those services, people will be treated with respect and dignity and we stand ready, willing, and able as vanguards of constitutional rights and individual liberties. In order for community policing the way we have it envisioned, in order for us to reach that to its highest pinnacles, we need to be inclusive and accessible to all of our communities, everyone. That's the only way we're truly going to advance public safety initiatives for everyone. If there are people who are feeling disenfranchised or marginalized, then arguably those same folks will be less likely to report as victims of crimes or will under-report crimes because they're worried about even na being named as a complainant 
or a witness to something. And that's untenable because that means we're really not getting down to the underlying causes of what creates crime and dysfunction in our community. So we are certainly never going to use our police authorities as a mechanism for using lawful means to stop people in traffic, to contact people who are walking in and about our community owing to the basis of some, suspe some suspected immigration issue. That's not who we are. That's not who we're ever going to be. That's not part of the MPD's DNA. Now, do we collaborate with Homeland Security and ICE? Of course, as officers of the court, we are compelled under some circumstances. But I made it manifestly clear when I took office. I had the Chicago office of ICE come up and have a face-to-face -face discussion with me and my <coughs> command staff. And I made it very clear and unequivocal. We will not be coerced, co-opted, cajoled, or threatened into assisting them with those sort of benign offenses, low-level issues, or expressly just mere immigration issues and using our authority to assist them in those regards. And they understood that. And they understand the dynamics of what community policing has to look like at the local level. And the only thing that they had asked and the only thing they've ever done is saying if, if the crimes are so significant, and under the current regime, they're called PEP Authority, the Priority Enforcement Program, or PEP. I think all reasonable people gathered here in this room and out in the street can understand for those violent, predatory, significant crimes that affect all of our community safety, if they've identified crimes like that that they care to initiate, then we will look at those crimes and those crimes only on a case-to-case -case basis. And I can tell you, since I've been chief, we have never been used, not once. So I just wanted to make this a very uh, strident and unequivocal call to those who may be watching nervously. I know a couple nights ago the mayor sent an attache, one of his deputy mayors. I was there. Uh, the apprehension, the concern, the worry was palpable at a candlelight vigil held at Central. And I think that when you can see that, you understand that we can't probably discuss this in a more une uh, unequivocal terms than by having, as the mayor rightly did, to call a press service to reaffirm and validate people's sense of where does my city fall into the grand scheme of this algorithm of what's taking place across the national stage. We can only deal with what we can deal with here in Madison. And because, if you also look at our code of conduct, we are very expressive and deliberate and intentional in saying officers have discretion, and so do police chiefs. And we can wait what those priorities are, and we will. Thank you. Thanks, Chief. Uh, with us are Alder, Alderman Samba Balda <laughs> and Paul Skidmore. Uh, questions? Have any of you seen the letter that was delivered to a, fa a family on the west side last night and another family uh, that lived next door to them were essentially told to get out of the city, uh, essentially threatened? Uh, I don't know if you've seen that. I'm just curious if you can get a response I've, to that. I've, I've Chief, are you aware of, of that? I just literally on the way up the stairs saw an attachment, a photocopy of it. It's abhorrent. It's uh, shocking in its uh, profound 
um, nature of incivility and hostility. And so, yes, this will be viewed as a crime for which we will be dedicating some investigative resources. I'm, I'm not aware of that specific incident, but, but let me say that there is an obligation that goes beyond law enforcement here in Madison and Dane County. It's an obligation of every single citizen to understand that it is us that this is all about, that this is a battle for every one of us. We have to speak out. We have to acknowledge when discrimination and hate take place. In some instances, it may be invidious. It may be subtle. But we have to recognize what it's for, and we have to call it out. There's no question about it. Uh, whether it's an incident such as the, the one that the university confronted this uh, past two weeks at the, at the football game, or it's something that happens in the schoolyard, whether it happens in the workplace or it happens in a business setting. It must be recognized, it must be acknowledged, and something needs to be said and expressed that that kind of behavior will not be tolerated. Uh, let me just, just mention that uh, on, on a national level, there's uh, evidence that the language used by President-elect Trump has enabled, has encouraged, has made people feel that they have been given a license with his election and his rhetoric to conduct themselves in whether it's physical or verbal abuse of others. Uh, the president-elect has an obligation to make it very clear that he will repudiate and uh, stand up and criticize all those who may engage in such behavior. I'll say right now, it's disheartening to look at some of his appointments already, um, which includes at least one individual that the Anti-Defamation League has identified who has a record of pandering and encouraging racist organizations, including the KKK, and uh, this is a, it makes it an immense challenge for, for all of us as the coming months approach, and it makes it more serious that here in our community that we make clear, uh, unequivocal statements about uh, these kinds of behaviors at the local level within the community and uh, acknowledge that it's, that it's our obligation. Alderman Skidmore, Alderman Zellers is here, Alderman Samba, if you wanted to, Avalda, if you wanted to say anything. Yeah, just, uh, you want to go, go first? Yeah. Um, 
So the reality is that uh, America has elected a president that has uh, threatened a good segment of our population. Um, uh, but it is also true that a good segment of that population also voted for the president-elect. And so you will wonder why is that. I believe the reason is that the government, particularly local government, need to engage their citizens. They need to uh, educate them on their rights. Uh, they need to let them know what the law says. And so as a result of that, I'm working with some members of the Madison City Council uh, to organize a forum where we will invite all these communities, including uh, the mayor, the police chief, all the law enforcement agencies to talk about what our rights are. Uh, I happen to be an immigrant, as you may know. Uh, I immigrated to this country about 16 years ago. Uh, and I fit every kind of profile that you can put out there. Just by looking at me physically, you can know that I wasn't, even if I was born here, I wasn't raised here. Listening to my accent will tell you that I didn't grow up here. Uh, so I fit all these profiles. So what I've been hearing in the community is that uh, people have gone to uh, places where Muslims gather and ask them, how many other places do you have in the city? I have been uh, uh, asked, am I going to be deported by people who are immigrants but they are citizens of this country? They don't even know, despite their citizens, that they cannot be deported. Uh, I have heard from parents who uh, told me that their kids went to school and they were told, now that Donald Trump is president, you will be deported. You will be sent home. Uh, I have heard from parents who, have, uh, who are not legal or who are not permanent residents of this country, but have kids who were born here and citizens of this country, asking me, what are we going to do? I am not a citizen, but my kids were born here. This is the country they know. Am I going to leave them here? So this is the kind of fear that is out there. And it is all our responsibility. Journalists, the mayor, the police chief, and everybody to make sure that everybody is safe and comfortable. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I don't know this for sure, but I believe that I stand with the entire council, and I know that I stand with the mayor, the chief, and the city uh, in supporting uh, the mayor's plan and proclamation. Uh, I will not tolerate discrimination. I will not tolerate these threats. Um, I have a firm belief that we need a strong and uh, secure city. And as a member of the council, I'm going to do everything I can to, to work with my colleagues and the police department to ensure that all of our citizens are kept safe and secure and have their basic rights um, I think we've affirmed that, reaffirmed it, we will keep doing it, and uh, I think, you know, where I come from, we walk the walk, and uh, that's my pledge. Thank you. Alder Skibar, is that your district, where that letter was? I, this is the first I've heard of it, okay. and I've asked the chief, and I haven't heard if it was, was it? I'll get back to you, because okay. I have seen the address of occurrence. Um, I hope not, but sad part of it is it happened in the city and that hurts me as if it was my next door neighbor. So. Um, Madison, as you know, is um, talked about as 
77 miles or whatever surrounded by reality. And to a certain extent, I do think that that is true. We have a city that um, embraces a lot of values, progressive values, that we don't, we don't see elsewhere. But the fact is, with the letter that was referenced and the other things that I'm hearing about that is happening in our city, we all need to stand up and make sure that people know that we care about everybody in the city. Um, so I am grateful for having a council that is diverse and committed to doing um, the right thing. Thank you. Other questions? Can you just speak to the amount of money the city receives from the federal government? Well, uh, various <laughs> programs, it's, it's probably uh, in the tens of millions. We get transportation funding um, through other agencies. We get highway funding. Uh, we get certain funding programs for, for health. Uh, COPS grants. We, we get COPS grants. Uh, we also get uh, the fire uh, fire funding, and uh, then there's the C CDBG and the uh, housing tax credits that we use uh, for uh, affordable housing. So there's a multitude of, of, of programs. There, there's been statements from the mayor of San Francisco, the mayor of uh, New York City, and I know that dozens and dozens of other uh, municipal officials around the country are aligned, are unified uh, in this position. And uh, we're, we're, we're not going to waver. I guess there's a question for some. Uh, um, there, are probably, there are probably most of the people out there who voted for Donald Trump in this community who are good people. What do you want to hear from them? What should they be telling these people who voted for Trump that aren't good people? Uh, that they don't stand with bigotry, that uh, America is an inclusive country, that uh, they do not uh, agree with what is being said out there. Uh, just on my way here, I read an article that says that uh, they are already drafting legislation that will make Muslim American register. So what does that remind you? what happened in Germany in, 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 uh, during that time. So, uh, like I said, uh, we can all disagree. Uh, people are very discontent with their government, and so some of the vote is a protest vote. Uh, this is not against or for Donald Trump, uh, and this is not against or for America. Whoever immigrates here uh, loves this country. Uh, when the day uh, the election was held and Donald Trump won the elections, uh, the Canadian uh, uh, immigration website went down. Uh, but I keep telling my friends, nobody is going to immigrate to Canada. The reason being that it is very difficult to immigrate to another country. The fact that people are immigrating to the United States tell you that they are committed to this country and what this country stands for. And so that is where they should come from, that whoever is here, whether you are legal or illegal, you are committed to what this country is all about. And so they should not see this as if immigrant, whether you are documented or undocumented uh, against this country, or that you, does not, you do not stand for the value of this country. We all do stand for the value of this country. Imagine growing up somewhere else, up to a 30, 40, 50, and decide to come to the United States. Everything you knew about, you're leaving behind. That is not easy. 
that is why we cannot even immigrate to Canada. So I will tell them that uh, uh, immigrants may be uh, illegal here, uh, however you may describe it, but they stand with the value of this country. They do love this country like any other person else. Any other questions? I just want to uh, pick up on something that Alderman Skidmore said, which I think is very interesting. He spoke in terms of Madison being a strong and secure community. I think those are important words because we have a very different definition of strong and secure here in Madison, Wisconsin. Strong and secure means being safe from bigotry and hatred. Strong and secure means knowing that your family is safe and that you have friends and neighbors who embrace you and welcome you and will help defend you. And that's what we are going to do. As Alderman Skidmore said, we have a strong and secure community and we're going to stay that way and we're going to make it even stronger and more secure. Uh, on the question about individuals who support, supported uh, Donald Trump, there's a lot of angry people in this, in this country. And they have had experiences, uh, they've encountered challenges which rightfully make them upset. But they've been deceived, they've been misled, they've been lied to about the source of the challenges and the problems this nation faces. And it's incumbent upon all of us, it's incumbent upon all of us not only to reject the hatred and the bigotry, but to keep the conversation going, to stay engaged with those people and discuss with them and participate in explaining, analyzing what is the problem of this nation. There are men and women within this community who were laid off when the Janesville GM plant closed. Men and women white, men and women black, and some of those folks never recovered. There are black and white and yellow and brown residents of this community, and we've emphasized this over and over again who have not participated in any economic recovery. And regardless of the color of their skin, regardless of their religion, we have to continue to address those issues and work constructively, not divisively, not filled with hate, but work constructively to build an inclusive community. An inclusive community means economically, it means socially, it means in all aspects of our life.
We have to know one another. Any other questions? Can the city, what can the city do to prosecute or pursue somebody in an investigation with this letter? I mean, what are the ordinances and are there, are there gaps in the ordinances? Well, there's state statutes. I'm, I'm, uh, in this instance, I'm, I'm sure it wouldn't be a state statute. Yeah, it's a state statute involving a hate crime. So we'll have to determine whether or not it meets the statutory uh, standards and look at the evidence. And, and go from there. Are there any things that the city needs to do in addition to what's already on the books that you guys are thinking about? I don't know that the, the, the state statute is about as inclusive as, as can be. Uh, it's not necessary for us to have our own ordinances. In fact, an ordinance would be a weaker tool uh, to prosecuting a violation than would a state statute. Okay? Uh, those of you who want to go, feel feel free. Thanks for being here. It was good seeing you all. Take care. Thank you, Samba. Thank you, Liddell. Okay, you want to talk about the budget? <laughs> yes. What about the? Well, would you care to just reflect on how things transpired? Well, the first with the capital budget, uh, we continue to have real challenges as a community in terms of the sequencing and the amount that we spent. And it's going to get even more challenging in future years. Uh, I was telling some folks this morning that what I see as, as, as the problem is that two things. One, as much as a member of the city council represents their own district, the entire city ultimately has to come first. The entire city has to come first. And that means we cannot do everything. We create major problems when coalitions are put together by taking a project in one district, another district, and another district and advancing those um, to put together a majority to spend even more. That's the first problem. The second problem is that the definition of what is a basic service, in my estimation, is not the same as what it was 100 years ago. 100 years ago, we would talk about police service, fire service, uh, snow removal, things of that sort. At this juncture, uh, at least given the level of police and fire services that we have, I would say some of the development of community and neighborhood services, public libraries, and creating institutions creating institutions like a public market and what that does to create an expanded, diverse economy is as important, if in some instances not more important, than an even higher level of police or fire services. 
Um, and that's that's just a real challenge. Uh, the uh, the disagreements between uh, a certain uh, collection of, of council members and myself will undoubtedly continue and I find it tragic that they would make amendments to the budget uh, designed in effect to hurt me but in reality hurt the people who work for the city and the residents of the city. Those two amendments that were adopted last night were so foolish, so filled uh, with with uh, implications that 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 are so unhealthy for this city. I mean, look at what Alderman Cheek said. Out of one side of his mouth, he referred to the Mac study on how employees of color felt, how women felt about the workplace. He complained about how, quote, long it took to respond. Well, this is the first budget we've had since the study where there was an opportunity to do something about it. And so what did he do? But he cut out the funding for us to go out and learn more so we could address those issues. Um, I don't know what we're going to tell the, the MAC committee and the city employees and all the people who are truly committed to, to equity within the, 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 the workforce in the city. The second amendment that we're talking about is the one on the long-term and short-term disability insurance. I mean, it's been decades since that's been examined. It is a very technical area. It's one where you need advice and you need a consultant. There is no question we will save hundreds of thousands of dollars and have an improved service if we could just get an expert to come in here on uh, the basis of that proposal, but the council took it out. Absolute nonsense. It didn't do, do anything towards me except uh, raise my level of aggravation. But what it really did is it hurt the people who pay the bills because we're going to be paying too much for the, for, for the disability programs. And it means we're not going to get a better service. It's, it's just nuts. To, to cut out $50,000 when we could easily be saving hundreds of thousands yearly with a better program. There's, Lucy, there's some explaining that needs to be done here. Last budget, you just, you didn't sign it, it just yeah. went into effect. Do you feel like the similar strategy would be employed? No, I've actually asked for the uh, the uh, minutes to be sent up this morning, and as soon as you get out of here, I'm going to sign it. <laughs> I just, uh, I'm 
signing it this yet, yet this morning. So at this point, it's kind of like, well, this is the battle. There's an election coming up next spring. And these two issues are going to be on everybody's tongue. There's going to be demands for explanations. Um, I hope this generates more interest in the elections. And uh, I'm going to hopefully find that we've overcome that uh, major impediment, which is uh, not enough citizens of the city running for the city council. What did we have? Six out of 20 contested races last time? I'm sorry. We can take pride in our activism. We can take pride, and we should, in how many people turned out of the ballot box uh, last week. But this business of, of having only six out of 20 contested aldermanic races, something's got to be done. I can't do this alone, uh, and, and we've got to have discussion about these issues. To try I am not out there looking for candidates. I am not. All I'm doing is raising these issues and and hoping uh, to generate interest. It sounds like you're, you're frustrated you, that you can't build some coalitions on, you, you know, you talked earlier about aldermanic coalitions, but, you know... Somebody asked me last night, is it possible... Uh, to fashion some compromises uh, so that we don't have these kinds of clashes in the future. I'm sorry. When you get two votes like we did last night on those two issues, what do we compromise? Uh, um, they are both clearly in the public interest. Now, you might say, uh, I don't believe it's necessary uh, to dig, dig and delve into the issues of challenges in the workplace dealing with race and gender and that sort of thing. Okay. But if you're in agreement that these are challenges, to have uh, turned down that, that, that proposal is, is just outrageous. And the one on the disability insurance, I mean, how can you explain that? Probably within within less than 12 months of having brought in someone to advise us and research the challenges of disability insurance, we'll have saved more than that contract. This is the attention being given to Midtown, the fire station, public market. There was just a belief that, well. That's what people are paying attention to. They're not paying attention to these other things. You think that played into it? It may be. It may be the visibility of the public market, the police station, uh, is such. I mean, most people don't get involved in the intricacies of the city's uh, role as an employer and its long and short-term disability insurance. Um, but to me. Even though it's fifty thousand dollars out of a three hundred million dollar budget, in terms of principle of how we think and how we behave, it might as well be a hundred million dollars. Your civil rights division has seen an uptick in 
people calling in for help to complain about incidents, anything like that? I have not been told uh, that, that that has occurred, um, but we, we're obviously, uh, the department is, is monitoring the situation. spot you mentioned earlier about we want to encourage people to reach out to the city with any issues there is that their first spot that they should reach out to it depends upon the nature of it if it's if it's a violent threatening activity then clearly uh, the police department should be notified uh, if it's a matter again of employment of housing of, of, of uh, discrimination then go to the Department of Civil Rights. Thanks. Okay. <clears throat>